Welcome to Reboot for Connection, the podcast dedicated to understanding connection at work. This is where we talk to leaders, communications professionals, and other subject matter experts about how organizations are now intentional about designing for connection in the workplace. Real connection to people, mission, and the work itself. We explore what can be achieved when this is approached as a strategic initiative. My name is Jürgen Abo, and this podcast is brought to you by ScreenCloud. Now, let's get into the good stuff. All right. Today, we are joined by someone truly special. It took a little bit of work to get this amazing woman to join us, but we are really excited. Um, previously, having worked at big companies like Microsoft and Boeing, um, this special guest is known as the Engineer Whisperer. And what she does is she works with good engineers to turn them into great engineers. It truly is our pleasure to welcome Andrea Clough. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me in. Yeah, well, again, thank you for accepting the invitation. Um, I appreciate the, uh, the rigor that we had to go through to, uh, to formalize this. You are exceptional, and this is going to be a really good conversation. I'm pumped. So Let's do it. So what you really encouraged me to do is probably different than really anything else I've, I've been through doing this kind of stuff, which is do not prepare at all, basically, right? Um, let's truly have the conversation. And, uh, and I've followed your advice, so we'll see how this goes. But we are going to have some fun, and I think we're going to create something meaningful. Um, I do want to ask you right away, though, why engineers? Why is that the group that you have decided to focus your energy on? Yes, why engineers? I do stop people with, with that, that concept of why do I work with engineers? I work with them because they have chosen me as I entered the field of coaching, but it's more than that. For me, um, when I was growing up in Romania as a Hungarian girl, everything that I have experienced and I longed for, I realized as soon as I came to the U.S. that engineers provided that, that engineers created everything around us that we call um, a, a good life. Think about it when you get up in the morning and you turn the light on and you flush the toilet and you take a shower, you brush your teeth. You go to the kitchen, turn on the TV, look at your phone, open the fridge, maybe cook something on the stove, get in your car and drive on the road. All these, the infrastructure, the technology for us to be able to live our life. I realized that engineers can make a huge impact in working with them, moving them from good engineers to great engineers. It will benefit everybody. I truly believe, and this is my mission why I work with engineers, that engineers help us live our life to the fullest. And through their creativity and innovation and then leadership, uh, we're all going to benefit. Now, I joke around that it takes only one engineer to invent something that will take us into the 22nd century or the, into a world that right now we don't even know how to imagine. And that is why engineers. Yeah, I buy that uh, sold for sure. Um, excellent. So the backdrop for this conversation is our 
pursuit of a greater understanding of connections at work. That's what we're trying to do with Reboot here. And so my, I guess, first prepared really only question that I have for you as I'm taking your advice is really what does connections at work bring up for you? That's really broad. So I'm curious what that, what that triggers for you. That is, is, is a really good question. And I would ask you first to give me what brings up for you. Um, as somebody who's been interviewing so many people and then you're part of the reboot. Sure. Yeah. So um, it will, this will be sim overly simplified, but the way that I think about it is I think about us feeling connected to the people we work with, to the mission that our organizations are on, and to the work that we're doing and understanding how our work is connected to that mission. And for me, what's on top of all that or baked into it is the connection to ourselves, to understand how we fit into that world of, of work, that world of, of others slash belonging. And when you say mission, I translate that with my clients into purpose. What is each person's individual purpose in life? What, what, why do they get up every morning and they say, okay, this is going to be a good day. I can't wait to get on a call to do some work. Um, and then at night going to sleep, did I, was it a good day? Am I fulfilled with what I have achieved? Um, how do I learn from my failures? Um, what about me did I learn today? So th that element of connection for me, it's also important of, of those little routines and habits of how do we connect to ourselves? Because I, I've seen, and as I'm working with engineers, it, it truly comes down to how connected we are with ourselves to then be able to connect with others through empathy, through understanding, through listening, through being present, and through then more than helping. Uh, my first thought was helping, but it's, it's that part of, of sometimes somebody doesn't need help. They just need somebody else to be present with them. And that is through that connection. Yeah, it sounds like what you're really saying is in order to actually be able to connect with someone or something else, you will have to have connected with yourself first, or at least for that to stick, right? And for that to, to really work. That's quite the insight. Um, thank you for that. So, so on that note, what do I do if I find myself in a situation where I realize that connection in my work life is lacking? Um, if that's a symptom or a circumstance or whatever, how do I begin this work? I mean, short of calling you, I suppose. Well, give me a little bit more, more detail. So when you say work, is it work as the situation or a project or is it work as of with somebody? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there are a lot of scenarios that are interesting. The one that I feel is perhaps the most relevant to people, and I'll take an aspect of myself here, is um, 
you know, the obvious part is I'm not socializing with anybody, right? I'm, I'm not, not even my friends, let alone my coworkers or the people on my team, right? Um, so I'm not socializing. Um, I've certainly gone through periods of being concerned about where all this is headed and um, even gone through periods of being worried about my job and my career. And, you know, if, if I have what it takes to really thrive in this kind of an environment, um, and then having a team where there are people that rely on me not only for leadership, but you know, also for reassurance and for guidance, et cetera. So, it, it, you know, I'm not here to complain, but to answer the question about the situation, you know, I'm feeling, I suppose, the pressure as the umbrella term for a lot of feelings without necessarily knowing exactly what to do and also feeling this disconnect uh, to some degree, and and not really knowing what to do about that. So, I guess where where do I start? I I start with my myself, but in what way? Well, let's start with what you said. Some of the words, pressure. Where do you feel the pressure? What kind of a pressure? How much pressure is associated with the pressure that you put on yourself, and how much is the external pressure? Because sometimes we assume and we think about others putting pressure on us to do something, to get something done, or sometimes also to connect. Um, and then we internalize it as it's a must, it's a have to, or it's a should. And um, so I would go a little bit further around, just sit with the, what is pressure for you? How does that look? And then usually under pressure, there's more, Jorgen. So it's, are there some scare? Is there some uncertainty? Is there some, are there some fears? Um, what is bundled into the pressure? And, and that's another one of, uh, our brain really likes to simplify things. As you said, it's pressure or it's this, or, or to just use the binary. Um, but there's always more there. And just taking so your question of where to start. The start is to really see where is your brain driving? What is it simplifying to? It always follows patterns, patterns from our past. So then the next step would be what is behind pressure? Let's say it's uncertainty. It's your relationship with uncertainty. Maybe you have experienced in the past some some, let's just call them bad experiences with uncertainty. I know folks out there who in this environment, they, they have lost jobs, their jobs before. So as soon as they see some of the signs, then that becomes a scare. Oh, I recognize this. This happened before. It's a pattern. And if, it's, if, if it stays unconscious, we're going to live into that pattern. And it's gonna manifest unless we break the patterns. So another step would be to to sit a little bit and explore what is your experience with uncertainty. What is your experience with pressure? Mm -hmm. 
what, uh, what happened in your life previously? And, and the fun question for me, it's really fun, is to sit with and ask myself, well, how did I handle that in the past? What do I know about myself when I'm under pressure? So let me turn it around and, and you know, hear you real time. What do you know about yourself when you are in, in an uncertain situation under pressure? Well, man, uh, I think that personally, I view myself as someone who rises to the occasion. And so when there is pressure, I feel like I come through. But I feel like that comes at a high cost. And I don't know if I come through in the right way. So I think one of the, in, in t following your guidance here, thinking about myself, what I do is probably put my head down, push through, apply extra effort, and try to get there in time, right? And... Um, so stay I'm, with me in that zone. Uh -huh. What are you saying no to when you put your head down and just apply the pressure, put, push the gas? What are you saying no to? So here's, here's the fascinating thing. I don't know if you're predicting this answer or not, but what I'm realizing as soon as you ask that question is I'm actually saying no to connection. Yes. Because okay. what I'm doing is is just kind of getting it done at any cost. And I think that, I don't know if there are certain influences from my past or certain things in culture or whatever that has led me to think that, oh yeah, well, you know, that's what you're supposed to do, you know, power through, right? Um, but in a world where we are trying to be intentional about connection and optimizing for connection, because we believe that long-term true connection um, whether it's in our personal or professional lives is what enriches those those lives right so that cost is really really high to say basically no to connection in the pursuit of getting shit done um, doesn't sound like you know a sustainable winning formula does it no it doesn't and there's another question that can reveal if somebody would put their head down or, or have another option. So let me bring that here, is when you don't know something and you're looking for an answer, what is your way of finding that answer? To first step. That I know that's a specific question, but it feels like such a vague, broad one. Can you just can you rephrase that and like give me give me sort of a little trace to follow there? Okay, you're looking for um, a chiropractor because your neck hurts or your shoulder hurts because you've been sitting in front of the computer and working really hard since March since COVID hit, and it's really getting to you and to your body, but you don't know anyone. How would you find one? I guess you would return, or you would turn to your, uh, I guess you would turn to your friend Google. That would be a start. Um, you, would, uh, you would seek some outside uh, advice, I suppose. 
So step number one, yeah, you would do it on your own. That's what I'm hearing. You would just get on the computer and search for some names, places, or you would search in your mind who are the people in your network that you're connected with who might know somebody. Right. Now, this is a real example for me to be very transparent here that uh, my husband needs help and uh, I am looking for a chiropractor. And um, I remember from my earlier studies that how we go about finding out an information says a lot about who we are and, and, and how connected we are and how much we put our heads down and focus the heads down, it's very individualistic. I will do it on my own. Um, it's, my, it's in my control. Um, I rely on myself and on my knowledge. Now, there's another side to, to this that I invite you and, and the audience is listening now to, to tap into, and we all have access to it. It's just a mindset shift that um, instead of going to Google your friend, go to an actual friend. So think about your resources, your network that you're connected with, who might out of the blue, who pops into your head. And as soon as that thought, that search happens, I love it because our brain is like a database. You put it in, it is kind of like Google and then it just quickly does that. So in, in my head, it popped, it popped two, three people. I already texted two. I'm working on the third one. So who are those people that I'm connected with who could help me in this situation? And I mentioned this because I want to reflect back on what you said. When things get harder, pressure mounts. When, when uncertainty feels unbearable, there's this little voice and it's a society. It's in the society that we live in that we have to put our heads down and we have to just push through it. And I had clients, um, I have clients, had clients who, yes, that was their answer. And it's not a right or wrong here. It's having options. Does that fit with who you are? Would your friends call you up and ask you for, for advice if you're the one who holds the key to a resource? Um, would you like that for them to call you up? Would that make you feel good? Um, and it, it comes with that social, uh, the other social feelings. I'm important. People think about me. Then and you also check, well, how are you? While I'm asking you for this piece of information, how are you? What's going on in your life? Yeah. I mean, th this, is, this is bringing up a lot, Andrea. This is bringing up a lot. I just really quickly, one thing I've heard you say before is that you like to take the people you work with to the edge. Um, I, I imagine we're not nowhere close to the edge, but can you give me just like a quick picture of like from here, how far we would go to go to the edge on this one? Okay, how far would we go? Well, I would need to know where your knowledge what is you know more about your knowledge where you stand because when we when I talk about the edge I talk about the edge of somebody's knowledge I like to walk with them all the way to the edge now I had some clients who said but you won't push me off the edge I'm like of course not that's the whole idea it's just for you to stand on the edge just like you stand 
uh, on the, uh, at the edge of a cliff and just look down. Or you stand on the top of a mountain and you have a different view than when you were climbing up, putting all that effort into it. So just imagine that you're standing there. Now, how would I get you to go to the edge? That's a good question. Well, um, tell me more. I would ask you to tell me more about, about what is behind pressure for you and really uh, what comes in when you make that choice? What holds you back from calling up a friend mm -hmm. instead of I'm going to do it this on my own? Yeah, yeah. Just, just a quick comment there because this brings up something that I've become extremely conscious of. Um, one of my heroes in, in the business world is a man named David Cancel, CEO of Drift, who I've had the pleasure of speaking with. And he talks a lot about this daily battle between ego and humility, where we, the ego in us, want us to figure it out ourselves and solve it ourselves. But the humility part should kick in because not only do we have friends who know, we have profound thinkers and other brilliant minds from you know the past several centuries, right, that we can go to. And I do, do think it's really interesting what you're making really apparent to me here in a slightly uncomfortable situation, which is that, you know, letting ego win and saying, I'm going to, you know, do this and I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to get through it. Um, it just really isn't the ideal, right? Like it really isn't benefiting us. And I'm, I am curious why people like myself have that, right? Like, is that because that's been celebrated in culture in the past? Or is it just because I have some unique experiences? Because I, I feel like that one is bigger than me, not to give myself excuses, but what, what, what do you think? Now, which part is bigger? Let, let's just clarify for the, for the conversation. Is it the ego part? Or is the choice that you're making? I don't know. I really, I'm not conscious enough of that in that situation. I think I'm beginning to become conscious of the fact that it's ego subconsciously working in the background that says, oh, you think pretty highly of yourself. You, you, you know that you're capable. You can probably do this. So let me bring let me bring a, a different perspective in. Uh, I like to say, um, jokingly but actually seriously, to people, bring your ego to the meeting. We heard it so many times. I mean, the corporate world too. You know, these are the good people who leave their egos outside the door. Um, but I think ego gets bad rap. So. Let me take a few minutes to introduce the other side of, of the ego because we all have ego and we need the ego to keep us safe. That's really what its role is. It's to keep us alive. So it's working really hard that you make the decisions that keep you alive. So in the decision of yours to put your head down and work through it, it keeps you alive. Maybe in the past, 
you have worked with others and it wasn't successful. And from a basic surviving uh, situation point of view is it's better for you to work, to do the work, for you to do the work, not for others, because that will secure your survival. So really basic. Now, um, there's a healthy and there's an unhealthy side to the ego. The healthy side is to keep you alive and keep you secure. And you can, you can really become friends with that healthy one when you have that healthy also self-confidence and self-esteem and you have the humbleness and you understand yourself, where your talents are, where your strengths are, what's important for you, what your values are. So combining the two is, is for me, it's a very powerful tool. The unhealthy is when um, you know, we blame a lot on the ego, when we are insecure, when we are jealous, when we feel um, conflict, um, when um, we feel scared, to be totally honest, and that manifests in letting um, our instincts, in this case, ego drive us. So it's better for your safety and it's more secure to not talk to people, to not call them up, to not check on them, because they might ask you how you are doing. And then you would have to face, either tell them the reality that you're not doing so good yourself, or you have to fake it. And some people are, you know, it, they're afraid to really tell someone, I'm not doing so great today or that I need help. I can't handle this. Because of what you said in our society, we reward those who put their heads down and just puddle through, just I'm gonna just push through, power, control, I'm gonna do it. But the things that we say no to are also important. Yeah, boy, there's a lot there. Um, so, one, one thread to pull on, I suppose, is if ego is healthy to a degree, uh, but at the same time it can it can kind of get in the way, is a big part of the work for any individual who's trying to improve just the careful balancing act there, or how do you define the the challenge for each individual to work through that? It's our relationship with, with what keeps, so the opposite of survival, I'm afraid of not surviving. So there's that fear element. So I would, I would work with my clients on, on that side of what are you afraid of? And let's really look at it of what that, being afraid is rooted in because most of the time that is got back to the the, the 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 simple element of i'm afraid for my life um and you know i i remember from my own life that i was afraid of a boss like that in that terms i was afraid to go and talk to her because i was afraid of her as a human being 
even though I knew she's not going to hurt me, not going to be aggressive. However, our brain cannot distinguish that physical fear from the psychological fear. So I went through the psychological fear and that was holding me back. But as soon as I found out that it's healthy to be afraid, but not in a term that somebody will actually physically hurt me. Will she hurt me psychologically? That's the, that was my afraid about. I was afraid of her words, uh, of what she's going to say, how, what is she gonna, how she's going to treat me, the behavior she's going she's gonna, to you know, give me, um, and then I won't be able to handle it. I'm going to so-called lose it. I'm not going to be able to respond. I'm going to react. Mm. So as soon as I understood that, then, and as to put it, as soon as we understand that, what are we really afraid of? Then we can learn what our response um, is to that fear. Mm. For me, to follow that thought, for me, my response was to, to learn how to express myself in that fear to her to say that I am afraid I will I'm afraid to tell you these things because of how you're going to behave how what are you going to say and it's interesting because as soon as I opened up to that to that boss she kind of stepped back and oh I didn't know you are Mm -hmm. and it shifted the relationship yeah that that does make me want to go a little bit outside of maybe the core of this conversation to the bigger organizational situation, right? You work now, you're very focused on working with individuals, individual engineers on their, on their path to, to greatness. When you think about those people though, in the context of organizations where there are perhaps bosses that one might be afraid of or other circumstances that are difficult, of course, it is on each of us to a certain degree to secure our own growth and happiness and all that stuff. But do you have a point of view as to what organizations and what leaders should be doing to minimize those kinds of challenges for the people who work there, such as your clients? I always start with leaders. I work with leaders as well who have many you know, people underneath there that underneath them that they are responsible for. And it, it comes down to, to where the leader is, where do they see themselves right now? No, really, truly, where are they in their education around, well, themselves, it's that connected, how connected are they with themselves? Because I, I truly believe that uh, the team will never surpass the leader in the development. It's about respect, it's about pride, it's about recognition. So the leader's level of education and and development drives the whole team's level um, of development. It's, It's like where they can top. And after that, any team member, if they feel that they're above their leader, they're going to leave unless the, the leader realizes that, oh, I'm behind. And I often have these conversations with, with the leaders that they're in conflict with their employees. And 
most of the time that's at the root that an employee has has risen up and developed themselves on their own and the leader feels that they are lacking and in engineering that and in engineering that comes up often that the technical skills when when a, when an engineer moves from an engineer to a leadership role then they start so-called losing their technical skills and because now they're using more of the leadership skills so when a technical when when somebody in their team again becomes technical and and let's say just talks to them and then a leader hires a new employee who's really good and then through their discussions and working together they realize both of them realize that they're not at the same level conflict could arise because one the leader realizes but does nothing about it um hides the whole idea that that is not my area of expertise anymore I don't need to know everything. That's why I hired somebody who's smarter than I am because they are the ones who will raise the bar. And where I have to raise the bar is in leadership, is supporting this new employee to, to bring even more of their potential. Um, so that is what I would, I would point out to, to leaders. And it, it would benefit everybody in the organization. And fairly obviously, then, a situation like that would clearly prevent people on either side or even people associated with that situation from feeling connected, right? From feeling connected to their team, their leader, even the whole company, potentially. Like, you can have one person not doing their part on their personal professional development or whatever we want to call it and actually significantly hinder connection in the company without over, you know, being overly dramatic about that. But that seems to be one of those potential blind spots for companies that are on a mission to be as connected as they can because they feel like, hey, especially in these times when people are already, you know, socially disconnected, right? That we have to keep investing to make sure that everybody is to your point connected with themselves connected with the purpose that we're aligned around all this stuff whatever words you want to use but then if you have somebody in there an important player who you know is is kind of missing the mark on their own development um that can hinder it all that that's a tremendous insight actually so from from there where do we go because like you said um I, I didn't prepare for this. So <laughs> where where do we go from here? What what do I still need to learn along these lines from you right now? Hmm. Well, feeling connected and then taking action. So I want to bring the action part in. Just like we started with when I'm looking for something, I don't know something, looking for a piece of information or a resource. I have options. So recognizing that I have options. I can do it on my own or I can involve people in my network. Uh, the third option would be reaching out to those who are not in my network. Just to throw another, another idea there. Um, and then making a choice. And then taking action. Actually doing something. Um, because 
feeling connected and being connected are two different things. I feel like I have a lot of friends, but if I don't call them up and I don't hear them out of how they're doing and if I don't share them, share with them how I am doing, then those connections are slowly but surely are gonna disappear. So for me, it's really important um, in this area of being connected to yourself and then understanding that that comes with work. I mean, to put the effort into it every day. Uh, how I started getting up in the morning to check in of where am I? What mood am I right now? I have the choice of getting up and saying this is going to be a good day or, oh, this is just another day. And then at night to reflect back, well, how was my day? How do I go to sleep? In what mindset do I go to sleep? Because one, sleep is very, sleeping is very important. But in the morning, there are things that we get up for and there are things that wake us up. And there's a difference between that. So how connected we are with others. I love to this exercise of, of, of just checking in. Who, who, who are you talking with? Who do you talk to during the day? Hmm. Just write down the names. Easy, sounds easy. The second step is, well, how, connect, how happy did you feel as you were talking with them? I, I, I asked one of my engineering leaders to do this exercise and um, just write down who he talked to during the day and how, how he liked rates. How did you like talking to that person? And amazing data came out of that. Like, oh, I didn't like talking to this person. Oh, I did like talking to this person. Uh, because once you have that data, then you can ask more questions. Well, what was about this person that you didn't like talking with them about? Is it the person, the relationship, the perceived relationship or lack of it? Or was it the project that you guys are on? Um, or is it the environment? What was it? And not just go through the day feeling I am not connected. What another thing I feel related to that, that I've heard you say before is most of the things we do as adults drains us. Um, can you elaborate on that? What, what does that mean? What are we, how are we going wrong? <laughs> um, I think that you're pulling from, from a earlier discussion around what gives us energy and our strengths, I call them talents. I, I love to always ask myself uh, what I'm doing right now. Is that energizing me? Is that giving me the, the will to keep going? Do I want to continue to do this? Um, and if the answer is no, then I rather stop and really examine what I don't like about this because it may be related to some of my skills. I don't have enough or I don't have enough knowledge. Um, I work with this four-legged model that involves knowledge, belief, value, and skills. And 
one of them is is probably lacking or maybe more than one um, but when we are doing something that we love it gives us energy at the end we want to do more of it we just see that time flies and you accomplished a lot and when we can find those things that um, that match those and it's more than our strengths we're not always clear of what our strengths are or people tell us this is what your strength is it's more um, rooted in what we like to do as children as kids that we get lost in mm-hmm. and even in an adult time when we can get lost in something when it's more like a play when it's fun all the things that we associate with playing it's fun it's laughter it's time flies um if you can bring that into your your day even just for for five minutes incorporate that into now to the now to take that to the next level is do it with somebody else. This play, this element of playing with somebody else. Imagine that you have found somebody who, um, who also likes to do something that you like to do. That is in your talent. Together, it's a different experience. And based on my experience, one and one in that case becomes three, sometimes four. It just becomes something so much more than the two people in it. Mm. And this can, this can be really scalable in, in a team where, where people find each other's talent and then play upon that talent. Mm. Do you see that happening with actual work? Are folks finding ways to do a, a work version of that essentially? I've seen it, yes, in my, in my work experience. I have done it. I have, uh, I've been the kind of facilitator, creator of that. I've trained leaders to do that, yes. Um, now in my work, I, I work with those uh, leaders who, again, have the wish and the desire to be better, to be great. So it's really just mentioning it and, and bringing the awareness up and they get it to how to put this in a practical way. We all have our, uh, our brain wants to be in a happy place before we start anything because it's, it's that signal of, okay, am I safe here? As you said, am I safe here? Every, uh, I think 30 seconds we check, is this a safe place where I am? The people, Am I with the people that I that are safe? So is the place safe? Are the people safe? Uh, am I in control of my situation? Do I know what's going to happen in the future? These are the things that our brain checks all the time. So what a leader can do is find out what makes a happy place for their team. Let's take um, you know, a team of five. Let's just make a, a quick, let's play around. So for one person, um, music, music puts me in a happy place. So imagine starting a a meeting with um, just putting some music on in the background before the the meeting starts or 30 seconds um, to one minute um, before anybody talks. 
to set the stage, we're going to listen to some music. That person, one person is already going to be in a happy place. Then another one, um, you know, I like chocolate. So allow and make an intention to, to, to allow me to, or to talk about chocolate, bring some chocolate in, 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 um, you know, in a physical world, it would be actually bringing the smell of a chocolate or some treats in. Um, and then for another person is, is about allowing to, to share how am I doing, what's going on in my life, to feel connected, to feel in that, okay, these people are, are my peer, uh, are my tribe and I, I belong. Um, for some people, smell. So it's really that sensory intelligence that leaders can really play upon. This is just one example, small example, um, but just being aware of, of what makes people happy, incorporate it, put it together as a team, and, and then know that everything else can come after. That productivity, efficiency comes after everybody feels all those four, safe, that they belong, they know what's going to happen, and that they're not threatened, mm. and they have a voice, so that they in control. I have lots of follow-up questions to that. Perhaps the most important one is, have you ever had Norwegian chocolate? No, I haven't. It is, um, it is good. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. That's good. What is your preferred chocolate? Are you a chocolate connoisseur or do you keep it simple? Simple and I like dark chocolate. Got it. Okay. I'm very picky with milk chocolates. I don't, um, I grew up in Europe. So I want to say the quality of chocolate in Europe. I might have said a lot of Americans now. I'm just going to say it. My husband is an American. So I have the experience, one experience, one experience. He's been having a hard time finding me good chocolate and uh he had a lot of failures in our relationship and our marriage finding me and buying me chocolate that i have rejected because oh. it's just yeah yeah <laughs> well we'll ha we'll have to send him to norway to uh to get a batch of some of the really good stuff yeah yes but you see even just thinking about it and me thinking about chocolate that puts me in the happy place mm. that's what happens with sensory intelligence. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's it's easy to dismiss some of those things as, oh, well, that's some that's superficial. Like we all like chocolate, you know, sure we can mention that, but but really it's there's science there that backs that up, right? And then there is also just general thoughtfulness, you know, connection through the fact that someone decides to be intentional about thinking about the other human beings in a setting and showing that hey there is care behind what we're doing here as opposed to chit chat along the lines of talking about the weather it's a distinction yes yes and i want to also say that sometimes i get this question these questions from leaders well that seems like just a lot of work to remember everybody's preference and i say well you don't have to remember we have tools to, for you to write down to remember and you don't have to play on everybody's, everybody's happiness or joy at the same time. 
just remember one person at a time. Even if you just start with one person a week, it's, it's starting that habit of remembering, of putting it in the thought process, in your process of whatever is happening, they're humans there. They're humans who are doing the work, they're humans who deliver the product, they're humans who design it. So what is about them that you can do to be honest and, 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 and be in you truly connecting with them? It's not about being fake. It's not about a lot of work. It's about who you are, what matters to you, and then understanding that something matters to them as well. And just the work is around finding out what that is. And I always say it's as easy as asking. Just like we ask our spouses, what would you like? Because we love to surprise them. If they like flowers, to surprise them with flowers for their birthday or chocolate for my example. Um, we want to do that. It brings us happiness too. So it's not that far of shifting our mindset that with our team, we can do little things that will go a long way, a matter a lot in feeling connected. Mm. Wow, well put. Um, on that note, I want to sincerely thank you for everything that you've brought to this conversation. Uh, for me personally in it and uh, for anybody listening and or watching. Um, that was really fantastic. And I know that we probably just scratched the surface uh, in terms of the kind of work that you really do, but it was a really meaningful sample. And um, yeah, I sincerely thank you for it. So let me ask you what was, was something that you're taking away? from the conversation? I, I think, I mean, multiple things, but the, um, the big one is the, when you do something like put your head down and power through, you're saying yes to get it done at whatever cost, but you're saying no to real meaningful connection and, and everything that comes with that. So it becomes a, you know, get it done, mercenary kind of like thing, and then telling yourself that you should be happy because you checked that box and you came through in the end and you emerged as some sort of stupid hero, when in reality, you actually lost. And now multiply that by 10, by 100, by 1,000. And that's where the power of that question is, what are you saying no to? Because if it's just one person in an organization, then you know, we can deal with it. But in the situation in life that we are in right now with this pandemic, is we're talking about hundreds and thousands of people who do that same thing. Of, I'm going to say no to all the people around me, even though, even though I want to connect with them, even though I feel lonely, even though I feel shitty even though I don't feel happy and I want to feel happier and I want to I want to I want to tell somebody here's another thing I think there's so many people who want to tell people that they're not feeling happy instead they're putting their head down no I have to I have to do this now I have to go 
get through this process now. I have to get this done first. And I know it from my own life too. We all have a lot on our plate. And sometimes that happens with me too. Just what's my to-do list? Okay, I'm just gonna just gonna do 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 this. And then I remember somebody, somebody's name pops in and for me, I'm aware enough to, to, to listen to my subconscious of, okay, I must need a break and I must need to talk to this person. So I'm going to just take five, 10 minutes, either text or call um, to see what's happening. And, and honestly, those connection points when just, oh, I thought about you and I acted upon it. I don't know if you have experienced it or yet. I think those are magical. They, it happened to me when I do that and people say, oh yeah, I've been thinking about you too. And this is what's happening in my life. And then I have the opportunity to support them or they are truly looking for help and I just call them up and I can provide that help or I can provide that inspiration for them to then go get help. There's so much more that is happening within us and we get those signals that when we have our heads down we miss wow well put um on that note i want to sincerely thank you for everything that you've brought to this conversation uh for me personally in it and uh for anybody listening and or watching um that was really fantastic and i know that we probably just scratched the surface uh, in terms of the kind of work that you really do, but it was a really meaningful sample. And um, yeah, I sincerely thank you for it. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, it's great. Um, we will be uh, we will be following you. What's the best way for folks to find you? Uh, maybe connect with you, listen to you. Where where should people go? For right now, the LinkedIn is my main media. So follow me there, connect with me there. I have some articles there. I have some articles, some other places too. They're all linked to LinkedIn though. So LinkedIn is the main Perfect. place right now. Yes. Andrea Clough, it's truly been a pleasure. Thank you again. And uh, I'm sure people will be finding a way to connect further with you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. It's my sincere hope you found something you can apply towards greater connection in your work life. If so, an honest review would certainly be welcomed. Reboot for Connection is brought to you by ScreenCloud. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we'd be honored if you subscribe to this one. You may also email us at reboot at screencloud.com with any reactions or ideas you might have for us. Hope to catch you again next time.